This episode of Las Chicas del Crime contains explicit content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hola, you're listening to Las Chicas del Crime, a podcast where tres amigas sit down and talk all things true crime for Hispanic and American crimes. ¿Quién somos? I'm Osa. I'm Kat. And I'm Jen. Y somos Las Chicas del Crime. Woo! Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hey, we are back. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a while for us, but y'all, y'all here is just been a week in between. Um, because <laughs> your girls have been working, work, working, busy, so quick Look and busy, honey. For real. <laughs> so quick, just like. One little tiny recap. By now, you already know that we're doing uh, the Golden State Killer. Um, in the last episode, you heard Jen talk all about the Mycelia Landsacker. If you haven't, go back, obviously, before you listen yes, to this. You cannot start it. You know, just go back, go back, go back. And listen <laughs> to that episode. Now, yeah, that one was long. This one's going to be long. Next one's going to be long. And it's just a lot to talk about. And Obviously, this is a high-profile case, high-profile murder, high-profile rapist. It's it's just a lot of shit to talk about, and mm. and it's covered better by um yeah. the media because of so many books that were written on him and the, the fact that it just he just got. Well, okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but you know, the, the, the <laughs> first, yeah, here it you know, surfaced you know, he um, on the media, so. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, our cases are usually not as covered since they're not here. They're not here. Our media does not take femicide um, serious, unfortunately, in our countries. And I feel like that's like a lot of our cases are kind of based on femicide. And actually, the other day I read, and I just can't remember the name, but there's also a name for now for um, little girls that get killed. Oh. It's, it's it's along this, the lines of femicide, but and you guys know that that's my favorite things to cover. And so yeah, so this one, uh, all of what Osa just said, on top of the longevity, like how long it took from beginning to end, literally end was this year. The end was this year, um, <laughs> and the beginning so, was in the seventies. Yeah, so so. A lot of evidence, a lot of documents, a lot of everything to talk about. So a lot of crimes, <sighs> a lot of potential crimes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Honestly, like the actual number of incidents. Let's just use that word right now, uh, including prowling, stalking, raping, murder, uh, ransacking, like everything. It's astronomical like if we were to sit here and talk about everything that this serial killer has done uh we would be here for the rest of the day probably but we are <laughs> i think we would just have to name us the golden state yeah, killer I, yeah like season two just know, for the golden everything State. everything would be about him so we're obviously sticking to the main series uh that you should one was uh vasilia ransacker two now it's going to be on ear which stands for the east area rapist 
So, oh, let me pull my notes because I got to read off my phone oh. today. The notes. Let's get right to it because this is a lot of shit. Uh. <laughs> also, what are you doing? <laughs> okay. Just, I'm very focused. Oh, so you balancing the pillow? I see you. Okay, 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 okay. I'm getting there, y'all. No rush, girl. No rush. Okay, so I'll start with saying this was hard to fucking research. I'm just gonna just start like that. I spent a lot of time crying, a lot of time like just physically putting myself in these S scenarios and crime scenes as I'm mm-hmm. listening to this, as I'm watching this, as I'm reading this, as I'm in the car, like I'm in the car and you know, there's a part, like, and if you are familiar with the Golden State Killer or just into true crime, you know who Michelle McNamara is. Like, And if you don't, you ain't real. Oh, I'm saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> R.I.P. boo. You either with it or you ain't, and if you don't know Michelle, sorry. Go find her, read about her, get the book, and Michelle. put yourself on game. But she's just such a boss, you know? <laughs> was there's a lot of the reasons why i was crying last night but was such a big part of this entire case this entire series Mm -hmm. uh crime the true crime community so do you feel like i just want to go ahead and in the beginning give her credit for a lot of this right now because doing this research has just been she's just been in the forefront of it all do you feel like this? Do you feel like it would have been solved without her work? No, no, hell no. She dubbed him the Golden State Killer. Let's begin there. That's why it's in the beginning because I have Michelle Golden State Killer. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree on that. I definitely don't feel okay. like they, they would have been able to put all of this work together. And unfortunately, it's what drove to kill her, but I'm and, glad that. And I like, so. I think that is not so much because other people didn't try because there was a lot of cops and detectives and, and, and people in the law enforcement who did try, mm-hmm. but they were not talking to each other, which was the main problem, which is the main problem of a lot of serial killers. And a lot of serial killers know that. They know that if they go to different, different like districts, different like jurisdictions, jurisdictions, cities, states, they're going to be able to get away with it for longer if not forever because these police people do not talk to each other and she did that she brought you know what i'm saying that information together she went everywhere where all these places um all these uh crimes took place and put it together for them yeah so the fact that people are well, the people know the 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 cops are saying that you know it had nothing to do with her um no, don't do my dog like that because it was all because of her. Yeah, yeah for real. And oh, geez, I could spend another whole hour talking about my dog Michelle. R.I.P. to her. We will at the end. We will at the end. You know, yes, go for, ahead, real, go for, ahead. for real. So, she deserves it. Um, yeah, that part, and especially then, because I am so sorry. To an extent, she was his last victim. Hmm. If you look at it on that angle, <coughs> yeah. <laughs> I really do think so. I think that. I mean, the work. Okay. I mean, she. she I mean, to next, he did because if he didn't do all of that, you know what I'm saying? She would have never stressed herself out. I honestly think that. And just like she said, he was going to get wheeled out and she was going to see him in the dark. 
Yeah. And I agree in that sense. Like, psychologically, yeah. Yeah, he was his last victim. Not indirectly, directly, but on another angle, she was. Yeah. So, uh... Let's hear this. Let's hear. Do it. Let's hear about ear. So, I'll go ahead and do my resources at the top, because it was just a few... Um, I watched the 2020 special on YouTube, ABC7 special, 60 Minutes Australia did a special on it. I listened to testimonies, which I wasn't quite sure if I mentioned or actually said what, like, the testimony was in my part, or we're going to put that in the end, but I think I'm not going to talk about that today. But, um... So many testimonies, too, that it'd be hard. uh, Well, I, I found the ones that are, like part of the ones I mentioned but and then a really good podcast I'm gonna give a shout out to because I actually spent a lot of time listening to him them don't even know who they are because on their website like the narrator says anonymous which is cool but um case file true crime podcast shout out because yeah gave me some good info and source and I'm gonna credit you for it so my series today like we already know it's about the east area rapist and that's where the acronym comes from ear but at this point we haven't yet determined that he's tied to any of the other series so we don't know that he's the Vasilia Rentacker just yet but we also haven't dubbed him the Golden State Killer or another dub that he gets that you So right now we're in the mid-70s. America is adjusting to life post-Vietnam War, which lasted almost 20 years. Many Americans did not come back home, uh, which, you know, it it just shook America, considering not just that we're coming home from war, but that so many aren't coming back. And then many more reasons why, though. (laughs) I don't know, and I'm not going to get into. But... I did look up a fact sheet on the Department of uh, Veteran Affairs that said that a total of 90,220 American casualties happened during the Vietnamese War, so Vietnam War. So um, just think about that, such a large number, and the, like, climate that it was happening now in America. And I, I... um, yeah, I can see why I'm talking about this. Those are going to be like, I why are like, you like, talking wait. about this? I, I'm like, yeah, because like, I already talked about this, so. Well, hold on. I'm going to get into no, it. No, because I literally, like, I looked down for a second, and, like, when I looked up and I put my full attention to you, you were talking about Vietnam, and I was like, wait a minute. She went somewhere else. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> Time okay. zones. So, one of the neighborhoods that became a post-war suburb hub in California was Rancho Cordova. Just let me let me flow in with all the shit I got. I was gonna let you flow in. I was just trying to make the pieces. Don't get aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I'm dead. Oh my god. So, Rancho Cordova is a neighborhood on the east side of Sacramento. This neighborhood uh, began as a housing development in the 50s, and by the 70s, had become a middle-class, single-story house neighborhood. With the addition of Aerojet, which was an aerospace company, and then the local Air Force Base that was nearby, McClellan Air Force Base, which was shut down in 2001, 
many of the families who were relocating to Rancho Cordoba had ties to the military. Aside from McClellan, there was also like four other military Air Force bases nearby. Mm, damn. So, again, Sacramento or California in general, I mean, it's the 70s, uh, hippies everywhere, uh, commerce center, uh, Sacramento has become the state capital, uh, big, big military economy, and everyone just kind of lived their life to where it was like, totally cool, dude, like, who, who cares if we lock our door or not, who cares if we're gonna lock our car, just... Everything's cool because we live in a safe neighborhood. Right. <clears throat> so, Ear's first attack took place on June 18th, 1976. The victim was 23-year-old, and her dad had left her alone while he traveled to another state. The victim started to receive hang-up calls just a few days before, but she didn't think much of it. On the night of the attack, she's woken up by a man standing over her, and she immediately notices that he's wearing nothing but shoes from the waist down. Okay, I didn't do a disclaimer. This has very graphic uh, content, descriptive. Trigger warnings. Trigger warnings left and fucking right. This is not for children. <laughs> it is really not. Don't listen to it in the car with your child. Our podcast is never for children. <laughs> Just say. Yeah, I heard my mouth. Oh my you god, know? today I told somebody that I didn't cuss and they believed me. Bruh. Let me put you in my pocket because that was cute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's wearing nothing but shoes from the waist down. She can see his eyes through holes on the ski mask that he's wearing. She can tell that he's about 20 to 25 years old, about five feet, nine inches, and has a very small penis. He <laughs> held a knife to her face and told her if she moved, he would stick it, stick her with it. He already had pieces of rope pre-cut, which he used to tie her up. He raped her. He demanded money from her and would tell her to shut up. When she would try to answer a question, <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the voice for me. <laughs> I think it's because that's how it's like. Everyone looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He tried yeah. to take his voice, so like it, it took me back. It took me back. Everyone, when they do a little um, snippet of him, it's like, shut up. <laughs> 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 Fucker. Uh, uh, and every time she would try to answer a question, he would tell her to shut up every time she would try to answer a question that he had asked her. You know, like, the fuck? He leaves her time in the room and then goes to the kitchen and starts just, like, ransacking the whole house. After a little time, it goes silent and she struggles to get up and, like, untie herself and she manages to get to the phone and call the police. All right, girl, go ahead. When the police shows up, they find her wallets just thrown out in the yard. They can tell that the rapist climbed over the fence from the neighbor's house. Uh, and they also find that he had jimmed the door open, the back door open. He left okay. no fingerprints because the entire time he was in the house, he wore gloves. At this time, DNA analysis wasn't used very much in crime scenes, but still at this point, they collected forensic evidence anyway because it was still valuable. Mm -hmm. So they just collected, do some tests, put it away. 
Victims Stay two, three, four, and five happen every month thereafter. So the first victim was June, two was July, August, September, October. Uh, in number two and number one, both of the parents had left the girls home alone. Be and I say girls, uh, besides because there were two, but in attack number two, there were sisters. He, so it was three girls essentially then by that time? By then it was three girls, okay. right? So it was three girls, but only been two attacks. Yes, gotcha, you, gotcha, you, gotcha. You. Um, he kind of does that, he's not scared to have uh, more than one person, in that. yeah, yeah. I noticed so, that so quickly from crazy attack one to attack two, they're like, oh gives no fucks, has escalated already, just one to two, from one victim to two at the same time. That's wild. Uh, in attack two, he kind of mocks a lot of the things from the first one, you know, breaks in without them realizing that he's there, attacks them, rapes only one of the sisters, though. Uh, the other one, she's tied up and kept in another room. Uh, Sometime later, he leaves, and they are able to uh, get help. Mm -hmm. He does the same thing again, ransacks the house, all of that. All of that is, like, the same. The same ammo. Yeah. So here, once the police shows up to the crime scene, they find baby lotion and cans of beer he's left behind. Mm -hmm. so baby lotion doesn't belong to the house. Mm -hmm. and That's him, all right. Yeah. Because he See, used to do that, too, not, when he was doing the whole Vesalia stuff. Leaving all lotion and everything. Yeah, that's why they, That's why they. even though they had no way to definitively say it, he was the culprit for other attacks prior to him being given the Visalia ransacker, the, the MO is exactly the same also. That's why it's like... Right. And even though right now uh, we are saying, like, we are connecting it because we, we know... In yeah. present time, in 1976, when these attacks are happening, Sacramento Sheriff has no idea what had just previously happened down south in Vesalia. Yeah. Because, as also said at the top, jurisdictions do not fucking communicate for shit. And that's going to mm -hmm. continue to come up because for many years, if it's an issue now, back in the 70s was a huge issue. And it was the main reason why... They couldn't fucking put this shit together and realize it was the same one or the same perpetrator. So, uh, not really. And number three's victim, he came prepared again, showed up with pre cut pieces of rope. But what he was not prepared for was that he thought that there were only going to be two victims in the house and it really was a mom and two daughters. So, it was three of them. And one mm. was able to like run out of the window and go to the neighbor for help. And this kind of, like, threw him off a little bit, you know, to, like, not fully be in control of everything. Um, and another thing that's very important to know at number, uh, attack number three, was that he at one point yells to them and tells them to freeze. While he was holding a stick, short and brown, similar to a police... Um, Baton. 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 Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. The daughter describes his butt to be really white compared to his legs, which she describes were a little tan. Ooh, he got pasty booty. Ooh. Nasty. 
right? Well, he got a small dick and a pasty booty. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> Lord have mercy. A neighbor I sees it all him. Makes sense now. Yeah, for real. So when uh, he leaves, or not, the mom is ma- is able to run out of the house with the one daughter who he knew was there to the neighbor's house. And he kind of like comes and chases them a little bit. Like the word chasing is the worst word to use because he just moves so nonchalantly. Like he knows. Okay, Michael Myers. That's what I'm saying. Oh my God, I was just thinking that. So Mm -hmm. although he's like chasing them in a sense (laughs) (laughs) of like going behind, going after them, he's not running or nothing. So then he just comes. Yeah. He kind of just hides behind a bush, and then the neighbor says that he just very calmly, with big, high, broad shoulders, walks away naked, like nothing, in the middle of the night. Yeah. Bro, you see, that's some cop-ass energy right there, though, because, and obviously, we know he's a cop throughout some of this stuff, because, you know, if you heard my episode, you would have heard the the information. Yeah, when he says freeze, that's what I was going to say. Right, like, it's just crazy to me. I don't know, bro. I guess obviously I'm not a cop. But, like, the pieces, they're all there. They're all there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I just said, like, I have also, like, a maybe, like, a little theory that he had, like, somewhere to, like, hide there. Because you can't just hide naked in, in, in anywhere, you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, he definitely must have comfortable to walk mm-hmm. away yeah. from a from a crime scene like naked. You have to have like prowled those streets like during the day. Oh yeah, I mean that's for sure. Stuff, like you know that's I mean? that was his like, mo. Yeah, yeah, right. That's what I talked about here. So sorry. Uh, no, it's sorry. okay. So number four, it becomes at this point. There's only been four, but however, it becomes the most. Um, uh, brutal to to this point because he's now uh, angry that his last one did not go as planned. So he is um, really upset. And even though he still went through with attack number four, it's believed that this attack was an opportunist attack. Like he didn't really get to plan this. It would just happen. He was roaming a neighborhood in his little fucking car. Probably his cop car. Right. Mm-hmm. Because... Oh my god! The, you know, yeah. I never really thought about that shit. That he was probably sitting in his damn cop car, drinking his coffee, eating his donuts while he's staking out everything. Like I get, I obviously I thought of like, okay, well he's a cop, he's been using some stuff, and I know he's at his own crime scenes, but never really thought about it. I'm like, oh, he definitely. Now that you say that, he's probably sitting on the clock in his cop car. Yeah. I don't think that because everything that? I read. It was like a regular car that they were spotted before, but like during the day, we're talking about like while he's at work, he like was yeah 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 clock like watching neighborhoods where he could do this. Oh stuff. yeah yeah That's yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, so number four, the reason why they think it was an opportunist attack is because victim number four didn't even live in the house she was attacked at, and she was attacked outside the house, like to begin with. She had stopped at the house because it was her parents' house, and she came over to do a little laundry, though. Like, talk about mm-hmm. wrong place on the wrong time. That fucking, Big facts. Ugh. So, like, I just want to wash my panties, bro. Come on, now. Girl. 
So attack number five is Jane Carson. Ah. And if you know anything, you also know who Jane Carson is. Sure. Oh my God. I, I, I cry so hard when I was your victim testimony. Um, so this was the hardest. Yeah. One of the hardest. Sorry. Well, <clears throat> one of, yeah. Um, because I actually like got a little bit more a little uh, sentimental or emotional when I was listening to victim number 26. Her family did victim statements because she has now passed away. Even the judge was crying. Like him and I were like this girl. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't even know if I, I made it that far, to be honest, when it came to the testimonies, because I just couldn't. I could not. Yeah, I was. So, Jane Carson, her attack happened on October 5th, 1976. Jane's husband, who worked at the nearby McClendon Air Force Base, left her house early in the morning for his shift, and shortly thereafter, Jane hears someone coming down her hallway and sees a flashlight. She thinks first maybe it was her husband coming back because he forgot something, but soon she realized that there was no way that could be her husband because he wouldn't be using a flashlight coming on the hallway in her own house. Mm -hmm. When she realizes this, uh, soon there was a large man standing over her with a ski mask and a large butcher knife. And um, I'm not saying quote or nothing, but this actually was described by her herself on Evil Has a Name, Mm -hmm. chapter two, go listen to it. this is described by her. So I don't say quote, but this is her. Um, like before, he shined a light on her face and told her to shut up, shut up, or I'll kill you. During this time, her three-year-old was with her. He then tied, gagged, and blindfolded both Jane and her son. He rapes her, but she says, oh, I hear I said it. She says, oh, evil has a name, that while she's being raped, she doesn't even feel the rape because she's so focused on the safety of her son that that's all she's thinking about while he's raping her. Same as before, he goes to the kitchen, eats, ransacks, comes back, and does everything as he's done in the past six or five. So after attack, that was attack five, then attack six. I mean, there's too many for me to go into each one. So I kind of go into some, but I definitely skip a bunch. So after attack number six, that's when police starts to notice a pattern with the attacks. Mm. All of them are happening either next to a house that is on sale or has just recently been sold or really close to a construction site. Interesting. Aside from that, they also start to notice that he is kind of committing all of these attacks along the like pathways, backyards that run closely to each other, the river, the uh, American River that runs by there. He is, it's like an inner web of um, draining and canals that he's using as like. Mm to put all passageways yes exactly and if you pull up a map um which at the point this comes out i don't have a little nice map put together but now you guys can look at it one two you are able to see like where one two three like on the map where all of this happens to kind of just give you a general idea of how he's moving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how close he is in fact to the rivers the highways uh and just cluster of areas that he kind of chooses to keep going back to um Ooh, I scrolled too far. 
Oh, so right after around the time of like attack six, right before seven, what they end up doing is they, I mentioned earlier that we don't really have DNA test, DNA analysis fully how we have now at this time, but I mentioned they still collect some forensic uh, evidence and part of that is semen. So there is a test that they can do that it's able to, it's called a secretor status test. And so 80 to 85% of the population in the U.S. has a secretor status, secretors. This really confused me because it's like genetics and I have to make sure I say it right before they come again. <laughs> like, did she know what she's talking about? No, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't, but I'm trying to put y'all on a little okay. info because I don't mean knowing, so I guess y'all don't know either. So if you are a male secretor, you produce 20 particles of blood in your semen, which is enough to determine your blood type. They call it genetics. Interesting. Um, in the 70s, it was an effective tool to, it was an effective tool. They used it to test the rapist semen from, for multiple of the victims, and they determined that the rapist was a non-secretor. 15 to 20% of the people who were non-secretor meant that we couldn't determine their blood type because they were non-secretors. So even though they couldn't tell what blood type the rapist was, they could they were able to determine he was a non-secretor, which narrowed, narrowed down to who yeah. could be once they did have more evidence to match it up. Interesting. Which I put here in my opinion. I feel like it kind of gave him a little bit more time to continue to get a weapon more of what he was doing uh -huh. because being a non-secretor, there was an it wasn't able to determine what blood type he was to even get down to that. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, DNA was not as advanced at that yeah, time. Yeah, it was so, nothing to what it is. You know, like, know. even though they had um, DNA and they had semen and they had all this stuff, like, it, there was nothing to match it with yeah, or, we or didn't run have... it against or, mm -hmm. or like, the I'm pretty sure the process that we're in even media. No, I, I also read that they didn't even have a full-blown, like, rape kit. It was, like, a little premature, let's check you out. And, like, I can't even say that it is all that they do now because he's, in one of the sources that I was looking up, they said that it was it was nothing. It was just the beginners. And then later mentioned that one of the victims, because they weren't aware of what the process was after being a rape victim, she just went home and showered. Like, she just wanted to get all the shit off of her. Like, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of people might want to after the rape, but at least now we know that if anything, you know, like, you may have what, could catch the person who did that to you. Back then, right. no, like an idea crossing the one's mind. Oh, come on, let's you know. And even if they got it, they couldn't use it. How we can use it now? So, uh, so for attack number seven, he uh, and I just kind of put this on here to show how he so freely goes back and forth, up and down, all over the place. He goes back across the river to where attack number two was. It's like literally around the block. Yeah. So he's heading up these neighborhoods back to, not back to back, but con comes back to them and mm -hmm. 
you will see like big clusters of so many attacks that are like in the literal same neighborhood. Yeah. Houses down from when something else has already happened. Yeah, there's there's one. I don't know if it's on your like here or mm-hmm. mine, but there's one where it was like three houses down. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was when he was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That shit was wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and attack number seven actually happened the same day as attack number eight. And attack number eight doesn't really get talked about a lot because number eight, uh. She's not raped. He just like attacks her physically, steals her car, takes her money. Uh, he she, he does do all of this at knife point. Um, he bounds her so that he's able to get away with her car, uh, throws her in the yard, and just leaves her there. And then again, takes her car with her dog. And then later when the car is found, they find the dog in the trunk. Thank God he was alive. Oh, poor pup. So, attack number eight doesn't really get, uh, which threw me off when I kept doing research past number eight because it was like nine was next, or seven, eight, nine, but it went from seven to nine. And I'm like, well, what the hell was number eight? You feel me? So, I spent entirely too much time trying to figure out what happened to number eight. And I mean, now you see why, but. We gotta talk about it, you know? Right, no, I agree, I agree. So you don't wanna miss it. You don't wanna miss it. You know? So right after attack number eight, which oh I don't care when that happened, but it was like late 1976. Um because those two things happened on the same day, police was like, oh, like not only is he now doing this repeatedly with multiple victims at the same time, but he's now doing multiple crimes on the same day. So what the police does on November 3rd, 1976, is they hold a crime prevention seminar at the Del Dio Elementary School. About 500 people attend this, which is consisted of like parents, community members, just anyone who is like, what the fuck is going on in our community? Some people have heard some rumors, so everyone was there trying to like, what y'all got to tell us, you know? Yeah. The fact that it's a crime prevention seminar. So at this uh, seminar, this man stands up and he says, you know, uh, oh, I forgot where I put that, but yeah 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 uh-huh uh-huh when well, i was making sure because i was gonna quote him but i'm not gonna quote him because i forgot That's where exactly my notes he was says. but he just gets out real upset and says um how did how is it that the husbands are you know standing by and just letting this man do this to his wife there is no way that he could do that like if it was me mm-hmm. so the in that seminar too, because the rumors were kind of going around the, the neighborhood, some of the community members flat out asked uh, Detective Shelby, which I didn't mention, Detective Shelby is the lead investigator in all of these attacks from victim number one. At victim, uh, attack number five with Jane, is it that we bring in Detective Daly, who she is a woman and from here on out, becomes the counterpart to Shelby and they show up and report every attack that is related to the ear. Um, 
which both are still alive. And it was so cute to see both of them, like, <laughs> you know, like, they're, older people. Yeah. But, like, they're still, like, fighting and, like, having so much energy and not, like, they're older. They're old. But they're not, like, fragile old yet. So it's like, yeah. oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so people in the community flat out ask, like, what are these rumors about the rapist that's going around town like should we be alerted mm-hmm. and up until this point they hadn't like broadcasted it out to the community for multiple reasons a they didn't want the community to be alerted they didn't have enough evidence to even kind of put it out there like this is what's happening they didn't want to run him off because they were trying to catch him still but they're at this community meeting and they kind of have to answer like truthfully and they confirm that in fact yes they there is a rapist in like east sacramento area who is breaking into homes and it's raping women uh who are mainly home alone and the whole breakdown you know like right. so the community finds out about here after this so the next day is when like the first official newspaper article comes out about it oh which i have pulled up here so the november 4th newspaper headline on the sacramento b just reads men hunted as suspect in eight rapes uh and it just quickly describes how the sheriff detectives today disclose an extensive hunt has been underway for a man who has attacked and raped eight women in the past year in areas of east sacramento uh, it discloses that there's a reward for $2,500, which is crazy to think that back then that was like good money. Big money, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? All right. So, uh, victim 10, I was able to actually get tested, like, this, the, this, the, can I talk? <laughs> I was able to get the actual night of the attack being described by her off of the HBO documentary that there is that's tied to the book if you also mm-hmm. haven't seen that i highly recommend shout out to james for hooking us up with the info so i can look in and watch that okay that was a little a little struggling struggle but i binge and crown my life <laughs> so at this point uh she was 15 years old and her parents had left home for a party um this one was kind of close to the holidays, I remember. I don't have exact dates. I This is so not me. Yes, yeah, you know me. But it was just so much that little details I did not put in here. I feel but you. I do know this was around the holidays because her parents and I went to a holiday party. Uh, holiday. Yeah. yeah. She was left on the lawn <laughs> and she was playing <laughs> the piano when she suddenly felt a presence next to her. And the moment she looked up, she felt a knife on her throat. If you make a move, I will put this knife through your throat and I'll be gone in the dark. Get moving. If you say anything or flinch, I would push the knife all the way in and I'll be gone in the night. He moved her down the hallway and into the backyard, tied her to a picnic bench and told her, I'll be watching you every 10 seconds. And he started coming in and out of the house. Like he would go in the house, ransack. He would come out, grab her. Uh, go inside, and then he'll rape her, bring her back out, oh. go in, ransack. 
get her, rape her again inside, move her back out. Like, back and forth. Like, that's just so... Um, that's just nuts to me i mean aside from the fact that what he's already doing but then like the fact that he like goes and then comes back does it again and then go like comfortable with it yeah i remember um also like reading about i don't know if they say yours too where like a lot of people thought that he knew his victim from away because of stuff like that because he felt so uncomfortable with like doing certain things Mm -hmm. so um he, this whole time she was blindfolded, uh, and then it's determined that he tied her up using the shoelaces from her own sister's shoes. Oh, wow. So a few hours later, he was gone. And to say a few hours later, like, he would stay in any one of the attacks for any anywhere from an hour to four hours. Like, anywhere between that window, that's how much time he was spent at the house. Um the her name which i so crazy this victim's name is chris pedetri yeah she said that you know she after this attack she obviously stopped playing the piano it was very difficult for her to even think of going back to it because she always felt like there would be someone over her shoulder watching her wow and be there behind her yeah so after this, yeah, no, at all. After this, what they organized it was called EARS E A R S patrol. So East Area Rapists, uh, sir. How did I forget what I was gonna say? I didn't write it down because I'm like, I'm gonna remember that. <laughs> but it was like an organized <laughs> community crime, uh, like surveillance unit. Mm-hmm. that they would just be looking out a neighborhood for all these things you know someone stalking someone crawling uh someone just being suspicious full-blown like uh, deputies on duty off duty who would be on patrol this is probably why what you said earlier <clears throat> work if you come in in his police car yeah he would look like he was just, he a, was just working an ears patrol yeah patrolling and he was patrolling himself surveillancing um safety classes were started to be given to women because safety classes get a gun yeah get a license get a gun get a shotgun yep and that's at least a minimum a taser yeah so girl no get a shotgun no, I'm just saying that, but like, no, have I something know, on you if you can't. Sorry, I'm meeting your partner. I'm being dorky, but yeah. So oh, they start oh. teaching women how to defend themselves. They mm-hmm. do tell them, you know, if you're gonna, and, and I saw this, it was Detective Daly telling them, if you're gonna shoot them, don't shoot your shoulder or don't shoot to harm like shoot the perpetrator to, to kill, kill. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so i would shoot on sight and kill that motherfucker because we okay and to think it was just the beginning that's just crazy but because okay. of all of this you know they they start telling everyone in the community you know like get new locks uh put bells on your doors do anything you can to create yeah get dogs get anything you can to create your home your own at-home security system uh and like hardware stores like completely sold out of locks and chains and 
guns, everything was selling out because of the high the fear alert, yeah, priority that it so became. Yeah, that this was happening in the community. So can you imagine? I mean, like I haven't experienced anything like that now where, you know, we have like a serial killer at large. Actually, I remember not too long ago, some years ago, there was one that was on the on the run for not for like a few days. But not to the extent where like everybody was on high alert like this, right. you know, to where like everything is damn near sold out and like in Tampa we did. I mean people weren't taking it as serious, but we got That's what I'm saying. Like like That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in, in Jackson Heights, I think. That's like 15 minutes away from my house. Yeah, I remember that. He was on the run for a few days. Seminole, Ohio. He was like, yeah, okay. Um, Next. Yeah, because we'll get into him. So next, uh, I'm going to talk about attack number 11, and it's going to get, like, real descriptive because my source for this is the actual uh, YouTube video from the court where the it's describing like the crime scene and he's having to plead well he's it's the plea he's supposed to say you know guilty not guilty but these are crimes that they just want him to admit to because Mm -hmm. the um it's too long for them to try him on it Mm -hmm. so it's just and if you look at on the goldenstatekiller.com website it like breaks down which ones he was actually found guilty of and which ones he admitted to so this is the ones that he admitted uh, because of tattoo, statute of limitation had, you know, we're not allowed them to charge him for it, which is dumb. Absolutely. Statute of limitation on rape is so fucking stupid because people, they still got raped. Right. Right. Yep, yep, yep. So, Jane Doe, number 25, was five months pregnant, mm. and as she was falling asleep, she felt someone. She opened her eyes and saw that the rapist and saw the rapist, and he flashed the flashlight right in her face. When she asked who it was, he said, "Be quiet, and I won't hurt you." He wanted her on the floor on her stomach, but she told him that she couldn't because she was pregnant and she couldn't like roll over right, onto her right, stomach. Right, right. So he pushed her onto her stomach oh. and tied her up. Wow. He put the knife to her neck and demanded money. Said that all he was there f- and said that that was all he was there for. Which he has told every victim this. Like, I'm just here for money. Give me your money and uh, uh, I'll be gone. But clearly we know that that's not what he does, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just threats and lies. Asshole. So he put the knife to her neck and demanded the money and said that that's all he was there for. He ransacked the house and then came back to the room that she was in. Uh, Jane Doe number 25 could hear popping sound and she asked him, what is that? And he told her, guess. She then realized he was masturbating. He tried to place his penis on her hand, but couldn't Ew. because of the position that she was in. He untied her and then raped her. He ran around the wow. house again, came back and raped her again. Then he demanded for her car keys. Moments later, she could hear her car start up and speed off. And that's how she was able to tell that he was gone. Attack oh, number... No. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I was about to ask, like, you were saying something when you were talking about the police cops and stuff being there. Like, I was going to ask, I was like, I wonder if he ever, like, stole cars because no. there's no way that they wouldn't be able to, like, 
track the one car down, but you just obviously told me. Yeah, this. so I don't know if I, because again, it's just so much shit that I write about this, but I guess I'll say it on if later it comes up in my notes, I'm just going to be like, I talked about it already. So what they discover is that he's very meticulous about the way he goes about all of this. He mm-hmm. prowls the neighborhoods beforehand. He does hang-up calls. He calls to make sure, you know, like, is the person home? He gets familiar with all the victims. He stalks them for weeks. He learns their schedule. He positions cars in particular areas of the neighborhood where he knows that he's going to have a fast getaway. Or he, like, park his car on street number one, and then the attack happens on street number two so that he can come in through street number three attacks comes out in street number one and then no one sees him coming from the same way he was going like this man is smart like you got to give him that in a sadistic fucking cruel absolutely way he's very smart and again yeah we know at this point he has the law on his side in the sense of the experience that he has and and not that Law enforcement is helping him with this, but again, he is that background knowledge tied to right. Yeah. So, attack number eleven was the farthest west that Ear had gone to date. So, majority of all the attacks that happened East Sacramento, which were under the jurisdiction of uh, Sacramento Sheriff's Department. But attack number 11 happened close to Sacramento City, so this was under the jurisdiction of Sacramento Police Department. Interesting. Um, lost my spoon. Oh, however, they came in together and promised that anytime any reports about the ear would come in, that they would work together. And they did. They worked day and night, long hours investigating every and any possible lead that would come in. Around this time, some detectives came from the Vestalia Police Department and visited the sheriffs and helped out with the investigation for some time. Detective Shelby was slightly familiar with the Vestalia ransacker when he investigated the early morning ransacker and the early bird ransacker to find connections to the ear, but later determined that they were not the same perpetrators. Mm. Some detectives had a suspicion that Ear and the Vestalia Ransacker were the same because of the extreme similarities. Um, neither of them took anything of value from the homes. He just took fucking stupid shit. Or one earring, like you said, not the other, a mm-hmm. picture, uh, stuff like that. Um, they both carried a firearm, burglaries in the middle of the night, ransacked the place. Similarities could go on. However, government officials decided that the Sacramento Sheriff's would not be involved in investigations inside the Sacramento City Police Department jurisdiction, and then the Sacramento City Police Chief was chief was told to call the sheriff or to not call the sheriffs when their office responded to a call related to the ear. So pretty much government officials was like, y'all handle y'all shit over there. We handle our shit over here. Uh, we don't like that you're making this connection with Ear and Vaselia. We feel like the way you're investigating is not the way we want to investigate this. What? So we ain't talking with each other no more. Um, however, it annoyed Detective Shelby and many of the other detectives that had worked so hard uh, into this investigation 
So even though their superiors had told them to stop working with each other, both police department continued to call each other and work together behind the scenes and almost in secrecy. If one of them were shorthanded to patrol or to follow a lead, one would call the other and they would help each other out. This was also very helpful when an ear attack would happen and they were and they had a suspect on their surveillance, they were able to determine that that suspect was more than likely not ear and they were able to move him from the top of the suspect list to the bottom. Not necessarily just fully stop investigating him, but just not dedicate so much time to him because yeah. we are not able to determine, right, that ain't him. Right. So that is a huge example of how fucked up they decide that they don't want to work with each other, but how good it is that they still went behind the backs and like black market help each other out because that is the point of all of this you work for law enforcement to defend the community and for good and if you're feeling hard you got to do what you got to do to do that you're going to do it right. and you did um and they did it you know i i feel you girl um i'm glad they did right so on Attack number 13, it was Jane Doe number 27 and Jane Doe number 28. Um, Jane Doe number 27 lived in a house with her husband and her six-year-old daughter, Jane Doe number 28. The oh. husband had left for work around 6.30 in the morning, and then she walked around all around the house to make sure that all of the doors and windows were locked because now, like, we are a little bit aware of ears, so she was making sure everything uh, was good, but shortly after she felt the presence behind her and it was the ear. Don't scream or I'll shoot you. I just want your money. He made her sit at the table and tie her hands with shoestrings and then took her to the bedroom and raped her. He would tell her to shut up. The victim felt that he had a gun, so she kind of like struggled with him and fought for it, but he just ended up beating her and took her, uh, beating her for trying to fight him for the fun and told her, you know, to stop fighting him or he was going to go c cut her daughter's ear and bring it back to her. Um, he would, he raped her. The little girl was obviously just going off at the top of her lungs because what the fuck is happening? And he put her in the tub so that, like, she would be quiet, but she wouldn't. She was just crying even more. And he grabbed her, brought her to the room, tied her up next to the mom, and the mom, for a moment, felt like maybe he was gone because it was real quiet. But he, like, made himself be known that he was still there. Like, he put all his weight on a bed. And it was like, no, I'm still here. Like, oh, just no. being a creeper, you know? Yeah. Like, Mentally more than... With them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's morbid. Yeah. Exactly. And he even told the little girl, be quiet or else I will fuck you up. Oh. Um, Hell no. So up to here, the MO has been pretty consistent, like same MO from beginning to up to here, minus a few things that he would do slightly differently in some of the crime scenes, but overall, again, same MO. Up to this point, the newspaper had published two headlines mentioning that the ear was only attacking homes where women were alone or where there were women and children only. The rapist was clearly reading these headlines and decided to talk to the community even more. Attack number 16 is where we see a slight change in his MO. So attack number 16 and 17 are pretty close to, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, to each other. And I'm going to 25, but I skipped this one because <laughs> I know it's like, what am I? Uh, so seven, 16 and 17 are pretty much like mirror of each other, uh, minus that uh, in attack number 16, there were children. So he comes into the house. Um, but in this case, there is a couple. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. a woman or a woman with children. It was a whole couple. And they had just came home from a drive, uh, a drive through movie. And they go to sleep. In the middle of the night, they're awakened by a flashlight in their face. And he tells them, don't make a move. Turn over into your stomachs. He demands the woman to tie her boyfriend wrists and ankles with some uh, pieces of rope that he had already brought with him. He asks for money and said that he wouldn't hurt them if he did what he said. He ransacked some of the house and then came back, separated the man and the women so that they wouldn't help each other escape. He went back to the kitchen and then came back with plates and cups. He put them on the back of her while he went and put plates on the back of him. He came back and raped her. And then as before, he ransacked and then raped her again. And then 17, again, was the same, like I said. Mm-mm. After that, it was like the ears patrol was going full force. Because yeah. now it's like, okay, so now you have escalated again. And you're clearly just, you know, like. You're still out here. Like- you're still out here. You're still fucking playing with us. You're still getting away with this. And it's just. attack number 18 same as everything before the one thing that's important to know from here is that he now comes back to sacramento the city and this is the first time that he hits a two-story house um one thing that the police would always do after any of the attacks is they would canvas the area obviously to ask neighbors like what have they seen and it would come, and so many things would come to light as they would canvas that the neighbors wouldn't report or hadn't reported prior to the attacks. Some neighbors would tell investigators about the strange man that they have suspiciously seen walk across yards or about the parked car down the street that seemed out of place or that they didn't recognize. Multiple people in the neighborhood had uh, reported that they had received multiple hangout calls in the, in the weeks prior to any attack. Few houses have been broken into, but again, people didn't want to get involved or they thought that it wasn't a big deal. Uh, They didn't put any of the suspicious activities together to the ear attacks or what was happening. So uh, attack number 21, again, I don't need to describe any of what happens because at this point you should just already know he comes into the house, he ransacks, he rapes, he tears the whole place up, he binds them, ties them up. If there's a couple, he's going to put cups and plates on the husband's back or boyfriend or whoever the male is. Um, and he's going to just rape the woman multiple times if he can. But attack number 21, when the police shows up, the first thing that Detective Shelby notices uh, is that there is a for sale sign in a nearby house. And as I mentioned, this is a, a continuous thing that he uh, us to find the houses that he's going to target. He also notices that across the street is Del Dio Elementary School, which is the elementary school where the seminar had happened 
months back. Mm-hmm. Um, at that moment, the husband, the survivor, because this is the house where it was uh, husband and wife. So the survivor male is walking up towards Detective Shelby. And at that moment, he immediately recognizes who this husband is. And the husband was the man who stood up at the seminar and said, no husband would let their wife just rape and stand by as they oh. stood by. Oh. Hmm. Oh. So I have really big here in my letters, that motherfucker was at the town meeting. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So after that, like the fucking community, the police, everyone is shook as shit and they have an emergency press conference because he tells them, he tells, the husband says he told him to tell the cops to put it on the TV. The wife says he told me to tell the cops to not put it on the TV. So they're very conflicted, but they just feel like they have to go forward and alert the community because clearly he's like, not just probably, yeah, he's still sticking his Yeah, he's right. So I put a little insert here of that press conference because it was the first time that they do a psychological profile of him. Uh, quote, uh, it's probable that he's a paranoid schizophrenic who feels sexually inadequate, probably raised in an upper middle class home by a domineering mother and an away father. Maybe an only child, but may have a younger sister. He's greater than average he has greater than average intelligence, at least a high school graduate, may be interested in police work or military training at some point. And more a lot of that's accurate, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because his mom was abusive just as much as his dad was, <clears throat> even though his mom used to get abused by his dad as well. And then he did have younger siblings. And. Yeah his mom his dad was away in a sense because he was in the military yeah exactly so yeah. i it, the more is but i feel like that was what's important uh what's important about attack number 22 is that here he gives the victim instructions that i'm gonna quote right, tell the pigs it. tell the pigs i have tvs in my apartment if this isn't the news, I will kill two people. Uh, she remembers also that when the officers got there and took the blindfold off of her, that he had like neatly laid out dresses of her on her couch, which was just that's a fucking creepy. creepy. Thing. Yeah. Um, after this attack, investigators also realized that. He would only cut the phone lines when he didn't have a long way to go to get to his car or that, or if there was a big open area by the house that he had just committed an attack. But he would cut them if he needed a lot of time, if he needed to buy himself time to get away. Right. So that's why some victims were able to call the police from the home. Some had to run to the neighbor and do that. Uh, when he does attack number 23, this is when he goes really further south. He's actually out of, like, the actual East Sacramento area. Uh, he goes down to, well, he goes south to uh, near a town that's called Stockham, California. Same as everything before. But here, the six-year-old daughter wakes up from her sleep as, like, this entire attack is happening. She's just trying to get to the bathroom. 
And he stops her and tells her, I'm playing with mom and I'm playing tricks with mom and dad. Want to come watch? Mm. And the little girl, she's just halfway asleep. So she like minds her business and just goes to the bathroom, goes to sleep. Thank God she was okay. Nothing happened to the kids here. Um, and then, so the last, the last attack of, that I'm going to say in this episode is attack number 25. This is where he goes fathers north. Uh, then before, uh, this is a married couple. They have a 10-year-old daughter. Everything is before. The neighbors report prowlers weeks prior to the family uh, had came home to either the garage two times. One time the garage door was open and another time a back door was open. Oh, wow. So it goes to show how much uh, preparedness he would take mm -hmm. to commit these crimes. He would kind of, in a way, that's why he it would be felt that he knew them because he would roam their fucking home right. while they were mm -hmm. away, getting to know how many people, this, that. And, it, and and one of the attacks, he knew that the girl's dad was a doctor because he asks her, where's the doctor's medicine? Like, he, he unfortunately knows her shit. He was paying attention. Yeah. So the important thing to know from attack number 25 the victim reported that the rapist was sobbing uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. Then, before he leaves, he tells her, my buddy is in the car waiting. Tell the pigs I will be back on New Year's Eve. Wow. He wild, bro. He's very wild. Like, and he just acts like he just lives in a world where he's untouchable and... I mean, he kind of did for a really long time, too. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah, he definitely did. Uh, he was untouchable for a while, obviously, in the way he was just meticulously moving. He really was hard to catch. But I'm just saying, like, he just, like you guys are saying, like, he wasn't even fearful of the idea of being caught. Like, he just. Yeah. No, because so many times it was reported that they would see him, that they would lock eyes with him, and he would just take off running jump a fence and be gone um or he would just continue to slowly walk his way across somebody's lawn didn't care if they saw him because mm -hmm. he just cared himself like right he's very curious. whatever yeah <laughs> you know i'm i'm the police in in a way <laughs> literally i'm so, the captain now <laughs> yeah so yeah that was crazy yeah it doesn't matter how many times i hear about this case it's still mind-boggling like it's just baffling how first of all the cases and the stuff that he did is just oh the guy's sick obviously but then the fact that he went on for 40 plus years without being caught is just like how in the fuck makes me wonder how many people are out there that never get caught yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You know, as I was doing this research, it also said, like, the 1970s apparently was a time where there was a lot of serial mm -hmm. killers or rapists in the area. And it was just because there was it was easy for them to get away. Technology wasn't there oh, to... Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. To catch them. It wasn't there to, to do more than what they could do. So, yeah. Well... Glad we have the technology now because people are wild. Very wild. 
It'd be the purge out here on a daily basis. It sure would. Mm-hmm. And in the next episode, you'll hear how all of that wraps up. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Las Chicas del Crime. We hope you join us next time for another episode full of crime and cheese. Follow us on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which will be listed in the description of the episode. Please rate and review as this helps us build a bigger audience. Gracias.